Hi, my name is Chris Candy, and this is the Never Not Run podcast. Or no. <laughs> or do the NNR for... This is the Never Not Run podcast. I'm your host, Chris Candy. And I'm Mark Nieto. I always say, and we're back when we start the podcast. That's fine. I, I like it. I don't mind. Well, good, because you're going to start it from there. <laughs> this is episode 16 of the Never Not Run pod. Mark, what the hell is going on, brah? Things are good. You know, I'm just really, really excited for today's episode because if you listened back to our uh, episode at the LA Marathon Expo, we ran into this person, John Radich, and we have been so excited to finally get him on one of our episodes. Yeah, I remember we were doing that episode and Mark kind of honed in on someone wearing a Badwater shirt and John was also wearing a Badwater belt buckle too. Um, and for those who are <laughs> very listening, proud. yeah, the Badwater belt buckle is very infamous in regards to its design. It's literally just a like a skull that looks like it's just been dehydrated from thirst um, wearing like a runner's hat and they're just so badass looking. And so, you know, obviously if you've listened to the pod, you know that Mark and I are just, you know, find that run and race really interesting and 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 anyone who completes it is just a major badass in our books yeah we were just drawn to the buckle and he was so friendly and open with us from the get-go yeah it just seemed like of course we had to have him on one day and uh yeah he was just he was so gracious to to talk with us and and go over all of his experiences out there and his history with ronin including this crazy crazy run where he went across the u.s but I don't know. I don't want to give away too much. I'll let John tell his story. But yeah, I mean, this guy is something that we all kind of aspire to because he he's, you know, he's been doing this for a long, long time. I think what he mentioned, he did his first ultra race in 1979 around the Rose Bowl. Yeah. And he goes into detail on how to do these races, how to recover from these races, how to properly prep for them. You know, this is a really informative episode for people who are just curious about the world of ultra and, and want to actually listen to somebody who's <laughs> competed and completed some of the most dangerous, badass races that exist on planet Earth. And they're all coming from the voice of one of the kindest, most humble people I've I've ever interviewed uh, and come across in the running community. Again, it, it gives you a really nice perspective on what makes the sport special and yeah, just the amazing people that you come across once you dive into it. Well, gear up on some electrolytes, sit back with your favorite gel pack, because this is episode 16 of the Never Not Run pod with John Radich. All right, so we are back, episode 16 of the Never Not Run podcast. We are here. Um, we're 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 all in different parts of the world, but um, we're coming together to uh, to talk to um, someone we met by chance um, at the LA Marathon bib pickup. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to introduce John Radich. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. How are you doing this morning, John? Oh, great, great. I'm here in um, San Gabriel Valley. I'm out in Monrovia, California. Going to be another hot day out here, and I'm looking forward to the interview. 
Yeah, I know. It's been so hot down in Los Angeles. Um, this heat wave has just been brutal. And, and I know we're going to be getting into talking about the heat later on in the podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, heat's definitely that's a subject we'll be talking about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's just get right into it. So, you know, John, you know, where where are you from in the world? Um, and, and could you catch us up about that and, and how you got into running? Oh, yeah. Good question. OK. Um, well, I am. Believe it or not, I live in Monrovia and I was born in Monrovia. Wow. So um, uh, it's a it's a small I'm, I'm proud to say that it's a, a nice community. It's gone through a lot of changes and um, it's just it's people that have uh, and our trails are really close by. We have some really good places to run. Um, unfortunately, we've had some fires and one of our favorite places was uh, Chantry Flats and Monrovia Canyon right now are closed, but hopefully they'll reopen uh, maybe in the fall due, due to the reconstruction of the trails because of the fires we had last summer. Right. But uh, uh, running is, uh, well, that's a good question too. I, I was, I, boy, I gotta go way back. I, I was <laughs> running in, uh, uh, uh uh, middle school, uh, junior high, we had a little, uh, when that, it wasn't actually an official cross country team, but we had a little running team. We did relay races and, uh, junior high, we, I was running and playing, uh, let's see, I played football, basketball. Um, and then when I got into high school, I, um, uh, got into cross country running and I was on the basketball team too, but I wasn't very good at uh, believe it or not, running in basketball was, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't a natural, uh, athlete at that time, but I loved the sport, especially running. So right. it, it goes, yeah. So I've been, you can say I've been running a long time, I guess that's fair to say. And so when did you start to dive into these longer distance races? Um, do you remember? And, and, and also when did you first hear about Badwater? Oh, okay. That's a, okay. I started running ultras. I'm kind of a dinosaur. I go way back. I think I did my first ultra in 1979. It was a 30 mile race. Uh, up, believe it or not, no, it was, it was a 50 mile run in the Rose Bowl and not in the Rose Bowl, but we ran the perimeter of the Rose Bowl and we did another loop. The race director at that time, it was like, you did 10 laps and it equaled after you were done with the 10th lap, it was 50 miles. And that was my introduction to ultra running. And I just said, Hey, I could do, I think I got more endurance here. I can do better versus running the, the 10 K or the marathon race, which I didn't really have the leg speed, but, um, uh, bad water. Then I just continued on with ultras. I, done um like the western states is a well-known race i've done that wow. i've done that three times wow i've done the angeles crest wow yeah western states is that was my first 100 mile run and that's that that is a- absolutely an incredible event it's like it's still considered one of the crown jewels of the 100 mile races for all its history and explain that race a little bit I'm, I'm really curious about the that that one specifically um, well, you, let's see, um, you begin at uh, Squaw Valley and then you finish in Auburn and you're running through the, the Sierra Nevada mountain range there. 
And it's quite an event. And then you finish in a, uh, the high school there right in Auburn. You, you, you do your last lap on a track. Wow. Uh, it's a very, it's a very challenging run. You, um, it's unbelievable. It's just, the runners are amazing. Uh, the crew members that come out to help are, are amazing. And that's a, that's a race I'll never forget. That, that was my first hundred miler. And, um, I, I can still remember running on the trails and the checkpoints and the people, the runners, unbelievable event and talk to any ultra runner that's run. Western states, and they they have their own uh, feelings and stories about it. So I, I'm a, it, it's an amazing run, absolutely. Yeah, that's a dream race for me. I would love to do that one day. I think uh, I'm working my way up there. Ah, nice. um, but what were those early days like? Uh, you know, when you were were doing these ultra races, you said you started it. Was it 79 and what were, how many people were doing it with you? What, what it, did the racers look like? I mean, were people just, you know, were these, <laughs> yeah, were these, did we wear shoes or what? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what was the kind of, were you just using regular, uh, you know, in, in sweatsuits or, you know, what was the kind of, kind of atmosphere like back then? Good. That's a great question. Okay. Um, we well the technology. This is the big. This is the most amazing. One of the most amazing things about our sport in ultra running, and you know even in cycling, hiking, the the equipment uh, has triathlons. The uh, equipment, the, the advancement of equipment. Back then, everything was a lot heavier. Uh, LED lights did not exist. Headlamps. If you did wear a headlamp, you had like. D batteries and they were <laughs> strain your neck muscle. You, you end up getting a migraine. And, um, I remember when I did, uh, Western States, I carried a flashlight that had four D cells. Wow. It was a long, it was made by EverReady. Uh, it was a long line. I, I held on to that like for many years. I wish I still had it, but it was battery, but that it, it was, um, the Halligan light, not, not LED, but that's what we used back then. And then the uh, water bottles, there were fanny packs coming out, but uh, but some some runners would make their own water bottles out of Carol, you know, the old Carol syrup bottles. I knew runners that would run with those. Um, or you'd get a Coke bottle or plastic bottle and you would make a, uh, you would carry. But they, they did have water bottles then. It wasn't like totally... Um, 19th century or something, but right. but the equipment absolutely isn't the shoes, the socks, the the running gear. Absolutely, it's amazing how the technology has improved. Yeah, I'm I'm so interested in that because it was kind of leading into what my thought process was. Now, like Mark and I are really into um, that one documentary about the bad water you could find on YouTube about Akos Konya, and he uh, talks a lot about. Um, you know, prepping for bad water. And there's this footage of him, you know, wearing multiple layers of clothing and going out on training runs to, you know, get the heat acclimation correct for his long runs out there. And then when he shows up on the scene, he's wearing this like super slick all white suit. And I, you know, I found it so interesting that he wore this like pantsuit and like long white, basically a long t-shirt um, and he said he always stayed cool. Dude. Yes, sir. Now, I'm sorry. Is, is, is this Dean Carnarsis you're talking about? Akos Konya, are you familiar with him? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I know him, and I, I knew his girlfriend at the time. 
And um, yeah, Akos is a really a good good guy. You know, Mark sent me that video years ago when when you know a little backstory. Mark and I kind of got into long distance running together as friends, and you know we went to college together and and have gone on a oh, lot nice. of journeys. Yeah, and and um, and th this this you know documentary we found was kind of infamous within our group of friends because it just really like showed the spirit of uh, Badwater and endurance racing, especially ultra marathons. And so, you know, also Mark and I are kind of gearheads. So um, we found like his kit very like awesome <laughs> to say the least. And, and that brings me to my question for you, John, like, you know, how are you training for this extreme heat? And, and you're talking about the history of gear uh, coming from where it was many years ago. Like, what are you wearing now? What is kind of junk and not needed? And, and what do you think is the most dire important stuff currently for doing something like a Badwater or uh, Western States? Okay, again, uh, you guys are asking really brilliant questions. Okay, for me, um, one of the biggest changes when I do Badwater, and, and I've had shoes are always a major, okay, what kind of shoes are you going to wear? And I can mention brand names, and I I think it, with all fairness, I the, all the shoes that I wore were were good. However, with the attack, then when Hoka, you, you you're familiar with the Hoka shoe? Oh yeah, we are. Oh yes. Yeah, the absolute. They kind of really changed the market as far as cushioning. I know it's a higher, a little bit higher drop, and some runners didn't get. You know, it took a while for me to get used to that. But as far as um, running bad water, my go-to shoes are now Hoka because of the cushion. But that's just my preference. Right. Uh, there are runners that will run in uh, Brooks or New Balance or Nike. But Hoka seems to be, the I noticed, one of the most popular shoes over the last five years at Badwater. And um, Dave, the, the shoes have just come a long way. I mean trail shoes are more technical they've made them lighter uh, if you're a neutral runner or if you need more support uh, if you pronate supinate they they're they, they have a shoe just about for every type of foot right so it's amazing the, the the shoes that are out there and i haven't tried them all and i know there's a lot of i want to experiment and test some other shoes out but uh shoes is a major factor and then clothing you know you don't i, I don't when I ran my first Badwater, I, I recall that was in 95 and, um, I didn't wear any, uh, I had the basic nylon shirt, but I did wear protective clothing in the heat, right? The white suit, the, 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 the reason behind that is real, I'll be real fast. The radiation from the sun, it gets so hot on your skin and you're, and it just drains you. It just weakens you and it tires you out. Now, some runners can go all through the desert without, well, they have to wear a hat. Majority of them, I've seen a few people, I don't know what they were thinking, but they, but you have to have a hat, um, sun protection on your arms, uh, sunblock, but the white suit for me always worked good only in the middle of the heat. Then once it got cooler, uh, yeah, you take the thing off, you, but it was, and, and you do run, I felt it never affected my running. It kept me cooler. And one thing you don't want to do when you're running a, a race such as Badwater, you don't want to get sunburned. Oh, yeah. You don't want to get all that radiation. It, it'll just, it'll wipe you out. And I've seen runners um, get destroyed by that and not finish. I, I've seen it almost every year. I see someone 
not they're they're just heat uh, too much heat on their skin. But uh, but it it seems to be more and more runners are becoming aware of it and they protect themselves and which is a good thing because that the, the sun out there is brutal and it can really rip you up. So I I wear the white suit and during the middle of the race during the heat. Okay, so that got me to think about you know the day of running bad water and the different temperatures you're dealing with. You know, how could you explain it to somebody who's never heard about bad water, you know, how to prepare for it? Or if you were to stumble upon someone who was just there, you know, and had no idea what people are up to, how would you explain what the race is and, and how best to complete it? Well, okay, I'll tell you, bad water 135 is, you know, and I, you know, and I'll mention the race director. He's a personal friend of mine and he's amazing. He's the one. He's running the race and puts on an incredible job, and that's Chris Kosman. And it is the world's toughest foot race. And many many will agree to that. You know, there, there's other races out there that are very, very challenging too. So I want to make sure that's understood also. But um, the, um, for me, even though I'm from Southern California, I would I always respect that race. Well, you know what? I'm going to go heat train. Now, if I can't get out to Death Valley, which I've always liked to run part of the course, maybe I'll go out with a friend and we'll, he'll crew me or she for two days, and I'm getting maybe 72 miles of running that weekend. Maybe maybe uh, I've gone maybe as high as 90 miles that weekend and call it a day, and that's good heat training. Now, if I can't go to bad, uh, Death Valley and bad water and run part of the course, I will go to Palm Springs. I'm only, what, two hours less than two hours from Palm Springs. Now, is that Death Valley? No, but it can get hot. And um, any r- race, I would tell anybody, you have to practice, you have to get used to the heat. If you're not a heat runner, then you, you know your body will tell you this isn't something you want to do. It's not an endurance race for you. The heat, uh, not everyone can tolerate the heat, but there is preparation. You have to understand the balance of your electrolytes, your drinks, um, really taking care of yourself, proper shoes, and getting acclimated to the heat is a key thing. And I, I'll even do sauna training. I'll go to the gym, I, um, and uh, 24-hour fitness is nearby me, and I'll sit in the sauna. Now, before I don't sit in the sauna for hours. I'll I'll go 15 minutes, maybe 20 at the most. I do have water. I do have my salt and potassium, and I don't do anything like crazy when I'm. I'll take a break, take a cool shower, and maybe I'll do two or three times, and that's it. Right. But I don't do anything, nothing over 15, 20 minutes, because I consider that. I know some runners will ride a bicycle, jog. That's fine, but I I like to do it in intervals, and that acclimates your, your metabolism. Your body gets used to the heat. Now, that doesn't substitute running in the heat, but it helps a little bit, and, and it is. There are runners that, that live in Switzerland or, or from Germany, uh, European colder climates, and they can't run. They don't have the heat that we do. Uh, though, you know, climate change is affecting everybody now. But um, so the sauna helps, but still there's no substitute than, you know, practicing in the heat. But if you can't train in the heat, then there's other methods. You, you know, of course, you have to run your mileage and condition your body. And I've heard of one runner, 
he was a friend of mine from Switzerland. And, um, uh, he asked me about training and I just said, you know, I gave him, I gave him the sauna information and then he wrote me a letter or sent me an email. He said, he's, he's got a stationary or a treadmill and he hooked it up to his dryer, his, you know, the dryer for the clothes and, yeah. he, put, and he put the hose <laughs> and he just, I don't know, it was just simple engineering thing. And, and he put the hose on the, taped it to the handles of his uh, treadmill and, and, he, and so he had hot air blowing on him and I thought oh my god and you know he did pretty darn well he came out the bad water and he finished and that, and that was pretty cool pretty pretty awesome uh, ingenuity wow but yeah but you have to train in the heat and I caution you know I you know you got to be careful when you run in in the desert but you know there's people that really adapt to it too you might think well I can't handle it you get out there and practice and you know, you, and you can adapt to it, but you have to really want to do a race like that because it is very, very difficult. It's not an easy, it's not, it's not an easy race to do. Definitely not. Yeah. One qu- question I had was how you deal with the difficult moments in the race. So, you know, what's, what's your method for, for getting through those low points? Is it, do you go to a certain kind of nutrition or are you, uh, is it, do you rely on some kind of mantra or, or, or something else? Yeah. What do you do there? Excellent question. Okay. Cause you'll, every runner, we call them bad patches. That's been a, a, a term we've coined for many years. So you hit a low point or a bad patch. Uh, we like to say bad patches and most runners, you'll, you'll have those moments. You might have cramping, um, there's mental, you have your highs and lows. It's like your peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. And you're going to go through really low points and then you go through your high points. It's emotional roller coaster sometimes. But what you do, um, what I find, if I'm really hitting a low point, then I'm, I'm always consulting, okay, how are my electrolytes? Am I eating enough? What did, what's going on? Because sometimes you can have an imbalance of electrolytes and you can really set yourself up for that. Uh, you can really drop yourself that your body and mind are going to go, Whoa, you're going to bonk out there. So that's one thing I look at, but you, you hit a low point. You, my, how do I look, how do I say this? Well, simply, I, I, I have a firm belief it's going to pass, you know, it, it turn it's turning on now. It's going to eventually you're going to blow through it, but you just have to hang in there with it. No matter how hard it is, if you have to slow your pace down, maybe you have to walk a little bit and get your get your uh, stride back in. But you just have to really be mentally tough and just say, "Hey, I'm going to get through this." And lo and behold, you do. And uh, many runners will tell you that. Each cyclist, triathletes, you just stick with it, and you know it's going to pass. As long as you know you're not, if you're no, you've got an injury or something, then that changes everything. But if you're just going through an emotional mental uh roller coaster right now well you can you can get through that but you just have to really work with it and just believe hey yeah this is going to pass and i've had situations where it was just i oh my god this is horrible for you know or you're you can't keep awake you're trying to keep your from running off the highway you've been running for 40 hours straight and you're or practically 40 hours <laughs> and so you're uh so you, your mind, it's like mind, body, spirit, and your mind has to be really tough. Your spirit, 
and you have to really know your body. So that's that's my take on it. But but it will pass. It will pass if you stick with it. You'll have a bad patch, and then and I I can I swear to you guys, you feel once you blow through that and you go, hey, wait a minute, I got my second win now. I'm excited. Hey, look at that. I'm 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 more than halfway into Badwater now. I, I, I you know I'm going to make it. I'm I'm 30 miles from the finish. I'm 15 miles. You know you you just uh, perseverance and knowing you can do it. And and all all the bad and bad patches will pass. That's you know not to repeat myself, but they will. If you hang in there with them, they will pass. Yeah. On that note, I one I was hoping you could remind us of how many times you've been out there, uh, how many times you've raced. And I was wondering if you had any specific moments that you'd be, be able to share with us. Um, any, any moments that kind of stick out to you? Cause when we ran into you at the, the bib pickup for the LA marathon, you did mention that you had some pretty wild stories from, from some of these longer races, the psychedelic experiences. Oh, oh. Uh, you, oh, absolutely. Um, you, you know, you, uh, the thing about bad water is, um, you don't, you don't sleep much cause you're running against the clock, you know, unless you're an extremely fast runner and you want to, you could maybe take even a fast runner isn't going to break that long cause he's running for time and a place on the, he wants to get on the podium. And, um, uh, so what happens is you're with the sleep, uh, not being able to, you know, you're, you're running like 30, 40 hours without sleep. So things will happen. You'll have hallucinations. I've had many good ones. Um, you know, you start to weave up and down, you're weaving, you're seeing things, you're hearing noises, you're going, what, what is that? You know, you're seeing sticks in the road and you think they're rattlesnakes or I've had, uh, the desert mice cross the highway. And I had a similar, uh, bad water runner say the same thing. She or it was yeah it was a, a a woman badwater runner very good she goes I thought they were talking to me John they were laughing at me why are you running badwater because she and I go <laughs> oh okay yeah that's a good one I I, I that's then I've heard of people seeing dragons out there and uh, dragons different objects moving around and they couldn't figure out but, but that things happen when you don't have enough sleep the mind starts to uh, manifest weird things that aren't really there. And, um, I've had that. And, uh, let's see one, one experience. So I will share this with you. And this is a, this is, this is an example of what happens when you don't drink enough liquids. And my first year at Badwater, uh, I was running a, it was a great race. I was doing very well and it was up in the 40 mile mark. Um, I noticed I was starting to slow down and my crew member, very good crew. And he, he was more of a football. He had worked with football players. He didn't know much about running, but yet he knew about staying hydrated and keeping the, the electrolytes. And I think it was Gatorade. We were drinking back then. That was a popular drink and salt and potassium. And uh, I got to the fo- and I started to really feel bad and dizzy. And a, a family from Holland stops and they take pictures because a lot of European tourists come through Death Valley and they photograph. They see people running and they're going, "Why? What are you doing?" So this Dutch family, I come up to the van and my head is spinning. I'm, I'm, I'm just 
and he, it's a mother, father, two children, and they want to uh, pose a picture with me. They want to take a picture, and I absolutely I'm not going to say no to that. But I'm just hanging on. I'm just saying I can't pass out in front of these kids. <laughs> I'm just hanging on. I'm going okay. I, I, I swear to you guys, it's a true story. And I was just saying, oh, please don't let me do anything. I don't want to traumatize the kids or, or you know, even the family. Sure. And I got through. The, I got through the photograph. They thanked me. They drove off. And as soon as I, they were out of sight. I just I fell. I collapsed on the in the uh-huh. dirt. And my Bill, Bill, no, true story. Bill picked, you know, got me into the van, took me back to the motel. And luckily we had a room. He put ice on my stomach, gave me, um, you know, got my salt. And I was out of the race for about four hours, five hours. I couldn't, I couldn't run. The race director at the time, it was another, it wasn't Chris Kosman. It was another race director, uh, early race director. And he thought I had not. He thought, oh, John Radich, he's he's done. He's not in the race anymore because he weren't. I well, I wasn't in the. I wasn't making the checkpoints. So anyway, long story short, I got back in and I was able to finish that run thanks to my crew. But the lesson I learned is I wasn't drinking enough. You know, the, the my hydration was off, and I, and I was running a real good race. I was doing very very well. I was maybe in the top seven at that time at that time seven seventh or eighth runner in in the race wow. and um so yeah so you have to really monitor your drinks your that's where your crew but i was able to finish and that was one of my proudest moments ever because i thought you know at first i thought well man bad water is over and my crew member bill he just said john we're going to get you back out there we'll get you back out there and he got my core temperature down i got my salt my potassium my electric likes got and then the cramps went away and i got out there and i was and i was able to run <laughs> i didn't have to walk I, I walked a little bit in the beginning get make sure i was okay then i was able then i just got into running mode and now was i super fast no but i did finish I, and, and but i was behind and yeah and i was trying to make up time but there are amazing stories there there there's much more incredible stories in that, but that, that was mine. And, and you just have to really respect the heat. You have to know your body. You have to understand the balance of, you know, drinking, you're taking your electrolytes uh, religiously and not uh, like every, maybe every 30 minutes, making sure your water bottle is full. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, uh, technology involved in that end. What is the temperature your body get to when it's, you know, in that condition? You were mentioning it got lowered. Were you, are you running a fever? Um, do you know those numbers? No, uh, well, no you know, I'm not a doctor. That's a good question. I, I just passed out. Wow. I just passed out in the dirt. And, and, and then Death Valley's really kicking my butt. I pass out, and there's a dust storm. <laughs> and the dust is blowing in my oh. face, and I'm going, oh, but Bill, you know, I, I swallowed some dirt and dust, but Bill, picks me up and gets me in the van and go, okay, it's, you know, she was really beaten up on me. But, uh, I, that, that question, I don't know. I don't, the human body's part very unique. And I, I don't think I was, you know, I don't know how to answer that question, but I don't think I had a fever, but my, my core temperature, uh, it wasn't heat stroke. It was, it was heat exhaustion. You know, you, you get you get heat stroke and that's it, all bets are off. You're you're in an emergency hospital. 
but no, I had heat exhaustion. It was like, and we caught it in time. I was able to, you know, and I had enough time on the clock due to the fact, due to the fact that I was running fast, I had more, I had, I had a cushion of time. So had I been going really way in the back of the pack and in the race, I don't think I would have finished. So I had that cushion. I had that. So that I always look at that and go, yeah, I just, you know, that's things that happen out there. It's amazing, but you got to really take care of yourself. And sure. that's where your crew, the crew of, of a bad water race such as that is an endurance. Any, uh, any bad water runner will tell you, your crew members are the guardian angels. And without them, you know, you, you're not going to finish the race because they monitor you. They watch you. They make sure you're doing well. You're getting water. They're icing you down. And so, Extremely valuable people are your crew members. Highest respect for them. Yeah, it's true that they they do so much um, to keep you moving, and it, that is a a job unto itself, equal to that of the runner. It, it's really a team effort when you get to the ground floor. Yeah, it's its own in- endurance feat. That's correct. Yeah, I could speak to that. So we, you know, we. We did a bit of research on you, John. <laughs> we found out you ran across the United States. Uh, yes, sir, I did. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, uh, I and I, I, I was gonna. I gave up Badwater too. I, I would have, you know, that was one year I told the race director I'm gonna do this. But yeah, I did. Yes, sir. That was that was quite an event. Yeah, I, I guess in a way, could you, you know, tell us what that experience was like for you? Um, the, the reasoning behind it, I, I'm just, again, it's another feat. And I think so many people like to pin um, the movie Forrest Gump onto runners, like, you know, run, Forrest, run, and he ran across the country. But you actually, you yeah. actually did yeah. it. <laughs> and, and, um, I, I, I did every, and I can look, if you were on the, if you were here, I could look in the eye and said, I'd run every step of the way and make sure of that. <laughs> because when you're a cross country transcontinental runner, sometimes there's been controversy. Well, did he run all the way or did he, sure. did he get a ride? Did he, uh, you know, but, um, no, I, I, I did every plus 200 extra miles because of road detour. Wow. But, um, the story begins, I was 16 years old at Rosemead high school at, at the time. That was the high school I was going to. And, um, I told my track coach, Oh, I found this little paperback book and I like to read a lot. Then I was always reading something, and I found this little book called um, the Bunyan Derby and it was a fictional story, but yet it was based on a true story. Uh, runners back in the 1930s would run, run from Santa Monica to the East coast. Wow. Atlantic city, or, uh, New York, or excuse me. And I read the story, you know, and I, I, I may have skipped some pages. I'm not saying I was super literate, but I, I read most of the story and I go, this is really cool. And then I, I showed the book to my coach. I said, coach, um, well, I want to, uh, I would like to do this run. And he, and he, uh, and he saw that look in my eye and he goes, well, not at 16. You're going to, you got to wait till you're more seasoned and older and experienced. And he goes, that, that's a good goal. And, and he wasn't telling me that I shouldn't. He never said that, but he was going like, whoa, not, not, not at your age. So years later, um, you know, I've already been involved with many, many ultras. I had over a hundred plus ultras or more like under my belt. And I decided, well, it's time for me to do this run. 
and I did it, uh, and you know, I had a charity behind it. And, um, so I ran from, um, Santa Monica to Atlantic city. Wow. And, uh, I, I was, I was self-contained most of the way once in a while, you know, I would get, um, I was trying to get some major sponsors back then and, and some of them fell through. We wanted to get a little camper van you know, to run in and I couldn't, uh, like I said, we got close, but they, they, for some reason they had to, they, they couldn't, you know, for whatever reasons, they couldn't come up with a, with a van, with a vehicle. So I decided, well, I, I have a baby jogger. I bought at a thrift shop for $35. I fixed it up. Not, not major repairs. I just made a little bit more carpeting space for my gear. So I pushed my baby stroller, uh, a ram with a baby jogger, uh, the majority of the way across uh, the United States. I was self-contained. So there's no crew? No. I, however, um, there was points where, because my run got so popular, at first it started off with the power of Facebook, which was just, I was getting familiar on how to use social media. And then people would say, uh, uh, I'd get a runner that would just say, hey, John, let's get you, uh, I ran through some really tricky neighborhoods that weren't safe. Sure. Um, some areas. Um so they would, we would put the baby jogger folded up and then I could run and still run, but I didn't have to run with a baby jogger. And there were some really dangerous areas and I'm very fortunate. I look back on it and whether or not would I've gone through it and not been harmed, I, I don't know, but I've had situations with wild dogs and you, you don't, I've gone through some really crazy neighborhoods, but I was never threatened. I, I, the Forrest Gump thing always would come up. Hey, you're, 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 because I was getting a lot of press and people go, oh, you're that Forrest Gump guy running across America for kids. And I go, oh, thank you very much. And, but I never had uh, any, uh, now traffic wise, that's a different story. You know, you run on Interstate 40 for a while and you have to watch out for the, the traffic can get really uh, scary. Yeah. And then you get back on Route 66 and then because Route 66 will break up and you have to run on the interstate for a while. And that part I didn't like, but I had no choice. And then sometimes you go through a construction zone and you have to detour. You can't, you can't push your cart. You have to go maybe another 10 miles to get back on Route 66. So there was, there was deviation. It isn't just a straight shot across the United States. If there is construction, roads are being built. There are detours. And that adds up, you know, that piles up the miles. Miles. But it, it, incredible experience. Absolutely life-changing experience. I, I'm going through the Indian Reservation and <clears throat> Native Americans were very nice to me. That's awesome. Yeah, they gave me drinks. They said, you could, you could sleep on our land. You're welcome to... <clears throat> And they were just amazing. How many miles a day were you running? Good question. Oh, the first um, first couple of weeks, I was really nailing it. I was doing about 50 miles a week on the baby jogger. And while I'm fresh, you know, I have strong legs. I'm just going to go, hey, uh, let's see. But then I had a friend of mine text me, and he had run across America also. And he was warning me, he says, John, you're fresh now, but remember, you've got to conserve your energy, especially when you get through Flagstaff and you're going through the mountains. And he says, you're going to notice, you know, your arms are going to start hurting and shoulders. And 
So you have, you're going to have to dial it down a little bit, which I did, you know, and, and I'm getting tennis, tendonitis in my shoulders from pushing the, you're using different muscles when you're running with a baby car. The physics are different. The balance, the, the weight of the car, you have to keep everything balanced. And I was getting tendonitis really bad in my shoulders. I couldn't even brush my teeth in the morning. And then, but it finally, once we got out of the mountain range or I got out of the mountain range and it, it the pain started to lessen and I was able to manage it and it eventually went away. So you're using different muscle groups when you're pushing a cart. I admire the moms and even the dads that are running with their babies. I go, Hey, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I but not, but not across America. I, I, I'm not, I'm not endorsing that. Don't, don't run with your, your child that far. Well, just paint the picture for us of you finishing that race is the feeling and, and that sensation in that day. Oh, 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 fin- yeah. And then, um, oh, here's, here's some fun stories real quick on the Marathon and the Transcon. And, you know, and I'm running for kids and I'm running for a real good charity. It's called the Way to Happiness Foundation. You may have already seen it. And um, I, I was really honored to do something good. And then plus I was honoring my, my late brother, a Vietnam veteran. And um, it was on his birthday when I started July 4th. Mm. So it, I had a lot of special meaning in this run, but also I was, you know, I was fulfilling a dream of mine, but it, you know, like I wanted to have a purpose. I said, I can't just run for John Radich. I got to have a cause. Cause there's so many good charities out there and I- I- any ultra endurance athlete, you know, there's so many good causes. If you're going to do, do something, you want to m- make it count and help somebody with it. At least for me and many of my friends, many athletes, do the same. They're absolutely incredible what they do. But um, I was in New Mexico, and this is a fun story. This is a good one. And th- this man in a pickup, he he uh, he stops and he makes a donation to my foundation. And I said, "Hey, thank you for that. It was very nice." And he said, "Hey, let me take you uh, let me take you up to the town, and I'll buy you uh, I'll treat you to dinner. I want to hear about your run." And he says, "We'll throw you a baby jogger in my pickup." And I go, "Well." I go, sir, that's great, but that's 10 miles um, that I have to come back and I can't, I'm, I'm keeping the run um, very concise. I have to, I'm, I'm a purist. It has to be every step of the way. And he looked at me and says, well, no one's going to know. And, and I, he goes, and I looked at him and I kind of, and he goes, okay, I get it. Yeah, you'll know. And he, you know, you'll know, I'll know. And then he goes, God will know too. And I go, okay, yes, sir. That's, that's correct. So I, I passed on that. And then New Mexico, I had a highway patrolman, great guy. They would come and check on me once in a while. How you doing? Is They patrol the highway. They, they know what's going on. And he offered me a milk. He said, Hey, let me drive you to the car, uh, dairy queen. It's another, he said, another 10 miles on the road. And I go, well, he says, we could fold up your car. My cruiser is I got a big back seat. And I looked at him. I said, well, officer, that is very nice of you. I appreciate it. And I said, look, I have, that's 10 miles. And then he said, well, I, 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 I could bring you back. And I, I thought about it really quickly. And I have friends in law enforcement that are actually ultra runners. And I looked at him and I go, officer, uh, it was officer Bennett or Smith or something. And I go, well, we're having a sandwich. We're having, we're talking. And all of a sudden you get a radio dispatch, you get a call, there's an accident on the freeway and you have to go. And then he thought about it. He goes, oh yeah, you're really thinking outside the box. Yeah, because then I have to go back and 
where you drop me off and retrace the miles. And so he, I thought that was, that was a nice offer though, but I, I had to decline on that one. So really quick though, um, just to get back to Chris's question, what was it like for that, the final day when you finished the run, you said you, would you end in Atlantic city? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's, this is a great story. You guys are so good, man. You're, you're stirring up a lot of pleasant memories here. Oh yeah. Some wild ones too. Uh, okay. The last day I, I, Oh my God. It was a long four months and 20 days. That's how long it took. Oh my God. I, I wasn't going for a speed record, but it wasn't a speed record, but it was a good, good accomplishment. I was happy considering how I was approaching the run, you know, the way I was running it with the, um, I was 10 miles within, um, Atlantic city and you, and you could start to feel, you could taste the ocean air. You, 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 you let's say I ran through Camden, Camden, New Jersey, which is high, high crime rate. Um, I never got threatened. The people there were very nice to me. I even got offered when, when man had a barbershop, he said, Hey, I'll give you a haircut. You want a free haircut? I got, I, 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 oh, well, I go, sir, you know, I'm you know, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. And uh, so I got last seven miles. You start getting into Atlantic City. Here comes this woman. Uh, she's uh, all dressed up. She's in high heels. And, and, and I'm not running super fast, but I'm running. And, and I'm by my, my crew members now. I have a crew team because they're with me to do the pictures and the press and all that. They're They're about three miles ahead of me. So I'm just, I, you know, I'm catching up to them. She starts walking and jogging in high heels and she goes, Hey, um, I could give you a, how are you today? And I go, well, ma'am, I'm running across the United States. I'm, I'm really, I, I'm so happy to be doing this and running for a charity. And, you know, I was just being real polite to her, but I, but she goes, well, Hey, I can give you a good time today. My rates are real <laughs> inexpensive and I'm glad. I, I swear to you, true story. So help me, true story. And I'm going, ma'am. I, I'm so tired right now. I just, I got to get to the finish. And he says, well. And she started. She got alongside me for maybe a minute, a half. And I'm going, my God, this lady's really. She's a salesperson. She wants business. Uh-huh. And I, and I, 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 I just go, ma'am. I, I, I have to go. Thank you very much. You know, be safe. God bless you. Don't, right. Just yeah. thank you. And I pull out but she was offering me you know it was a, she was a, a a hooker or prostitute or whatever you want to say but i i did not take her up on that offer okay <laughs> that's a true story now getting near the end i love it yeah true i love story. it that's so funny yeah. and then um the last end of it uh atlantic city the the boardwalk was closed due oh. to construction so my crew member one of my uh photographers on the team, really nice lady. She said, Hey, John Radish is running across America. Can we, we have no other exit. Can we run through the casino out the back door? To, and he wants to put his feet in the Atlantic and the manager, what I understand, he was very nice man. You know, even though it was full of cigarette smoke, people are gambling, having fun. He says, yeah, bring them on in when we're going to announce them. We're going <laughs> to, I'm going to announce them when he comes in. And here I am, they open the doors and I'm running. People are gambling, smoking cigarettes or, drinking i don't whatever it's it, it's thick with smoke and i'm running through this casino long hall, long hallway for a casino and people are stomping in with a cigarette in their mouth 
clapped and hey, way to go, Forrest, or way to go. I, I I'm glad I'm not. You got to come in and we'll buy you a beer after you finish and we'll treat you to a beer or whatever. So we ran out the door and that was a highlight, one of the highlights of the finish. Unbelievable! It was unbelievable. Uh, and then you, we get down the stairs and there's the Atlantic Ocean. Uh. And it's not official. If you're a transcontinental runner, you got to put your feet like I did in Santa Monica. You start, you put your feet in the Pacific there, right by the pier, and then you go to the Atlantic Ocean and you put your feet, and that's like that caps it off. That's that's uh, and that's another true story. You never forget that. That's beautiful. And yeah, and yeah, and, and yes, they did. I did have a dinner and a beer, and it was fun. And they were. I couldn't tolerate the cigarette smoke too much, but I was so ecstatic with the, I said, what the hey? And they, we even had a little, they gave us a buffet dinner. They said, Hey, you guys, you're, it's on us. Have a dinner. You, you, you earned it. And so that's, that's amazing. That's a, a great story. That's a great, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a great story. Incredible. And, and people, uh, and, and, and you see the good, you know, like I said, it's nothing is perfect in, in running. You're going to encounter, there were some, strange things that I luckily stayed away from. And there were some bad neighborhoods that we detoured, but you see the goodness of people when you're running across the country or biking or what walking, you see America, like it, it's unbelievable. And you meet the most interesting people, the truck drivers who one truck, he pulled over and he gives me a $5 bill. And he, uh, this is outside of Kingman, Arizona on, on near uh, route 66 gives me a $5 bill. He says, I heard about your run on, on TV or something. And I go, Oh, well, thank you very much. He says, you're doing something good for children. There's, here's a donation, but I want you, I want this money for you by yourself. Uh, it's not a lot of money, but get yourself a Gatorade or uh, a drink. And then he gives me his lunch. He gives me um, some bread and a sandwich and an apple and an orange. He didn't want, he wanted to make sure I was food. So, wow. Uh, unbelievable. That's so cool. It was just the, the, the goodness, the, yeah, the goodness of people. I, you know, one time I got lost, I took a wrong turn and, and, um, I was actually on the native American. I'm still on the land that, uh, on the reservation. And somehow I, it was kind of, kind of fusing for me to find, to get back on route 66 and start heading towards Albuquerque. And the little kids were selling, uh, the native, native American children were selling snow cones. And I, of course I bought one, gave them a good little donation towards her uh, business. And then mother gave me directions on how to get out. She draws everything out. I still have the map. And she was very, there's a tree here. She's really good with landmarks. And this is, and this is how you get back on your route. And she was dead on accurate. And I still had that little map. So uh, it just, it's, it's amazing. It changed my life forever. I am, well, you guys are really rekindling some good memories here. I appreciate your uh, call, your questions. No, we appreciate you doing this and taking the time to chat with us. <laughs> we only have a, a couple more questions too. So one question re related to that run is what was your recovery like for that? And, and what tips do you have for people that are recovering from their own long runs? Obviously most of us aren't running across the country, but you know, when we do, when we go for longer training runs or, you know, after marathons, like what advice would you give to, to people like us? Oh yeah. Well, the, the main thing is I, you know, my stable, my rule of thumb is the most runners will say, you listen to your body. Okay. Let's say you ran a, a, a marathon, you ran a 10 K 
well, give yourself some rest. Give, you know, I take two, three days off, um, you know, recover, stretch, uh, maybe cross train a little bit, but let your body recover. Let you, cause your body's been through a lot. So, um, that's very important that you do recovery. And when I ran across America, it was, it was funny. I, I, I got back, I took the plane back to Ontario, California airport. And I, um, I flew, uh, this is another fun story. Uh, I was, I was so tired on the plane. I, I, I just slept and, um, but I think I needed maybe, I took maybe two, three weeks off from, from running. Maybe I went to, I went to the gym maybe, but I didn't do anything hard. I wanted to really let my body recuperate. Sure. You know, your legs, your joints, your knees, your, your ankles, everything. Your, cause you, you, you've been, so it was just like a good recovery time. So, um, whatever your endurance sport is, it's good to rest and, you know, take a break and then, you know, start your training, you're running again, but don't, if you overtrain, you set your, what I, what I want to caution people, especially beginners, don't, don't go extremely too hard because you could set yourself up for injuries and you set yourself back. So just listen to your body and gradually build up your mileage, your training, and, and your body gets stronger and and then it becomes a really a great uh lifelong hopefully a lifelong sport for everybody as long as you can run or or walk speaking to injury like i'm sure you've had to deal with injuries and 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 uh, gotten through them oh yeah you know what would you say to a runner who is injured now or is trying to get through an injury and, and, and what's the best way to deal with that? What I would tell him or her sure. if you're injured. Oh yeah. Well, that, yeah, yeah, of course I've, I've been through that. I had some things just recently. Um, just be patient with yourself. I mean, uh, of course, hopefully you've, you've received medical care from a professional uh, uh, doctor or orthopedics, whatever the injury is, but listen to your doctor, your physical therapist. Absolutely. And, um, you'll get, it's not the end of the world. You have, I, I, I know when I got hurt, when I was a young runner, I injured myself. I fell and hurt my knee and, um, ankle. And I thought my life was over and a runner looked at me and he goes, I've been through this, John, you're going to get through it. You have a whole lifetime of running and this makes you stronger. But the mo- most important thing is be patient and don't, um, and you're going to get through it, you know, and, and follow. And again, I'm cautious with this. What I say is, you know, depending on what the injury is, but follow your medical, what the doctor tells you to do or your physical therapist. But um, just keep in mind that, you know, you will get through it and you'll be, and you become stronger. And one thing, every time I've been hurt, I've appreciated running more and I go my god how blessed we are to be able to do this sport it, it's it's just like an epiphany you just go thank you god thank you the universe or the nature for giving us this ability to to run it's a gift so um that's how I look at it you'll you'll come back but be but be, but be patient and and again I'm not to sound but I'm real cautious with this I always tell somebody uh, you know, I don't get, you know, runners, we like to give, okay, we, sometimes we give our own right uh, medical advice. Sometimes. It's natural and but that's fine. But always follow what your doctor says always because they, they, 
physical therapists, those guys know, and they're, they're smart. And if you, if you got a serious injury, just follow their instructions and, and hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll be back on the road running and most likely you will be. So you've accomplished so much in running. And I was wondering if you have any advice on how to maintain a long kind of longevity in running and, and a long running career. Good question. Um, some of it has to do with genetics. Uh, cause I, I know runners my age or even older that, well, I know a runner in his eighties now and he, well, he's not, he doesn't run anymore, but he's a hell of a walker, man, that guy can walk. <laughs> and, uh, and I know some women, men and women, I'm, I'm including everybody here. I'm not being of course. sexist or anything like that. And so absolutely not. That's not my nature, but, um, yeah, genetics is one, one major, uh, component. Um, but also I believe in taking care of yourself, diet, a, a good diet, um, uh, resting, having a good mental, um, positive outlook on life, you know, being, being good to yourself, being kind, being a good person, being, getting out there and helping others and giving back. I, I, that's, I, that's one of my little secrets is it's not all about me, but I love my sport. I love, I'm, I'm grateful. But there's a balance, your diet, uh, how you take care of yourself, your, you know, what you eat, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and surround yourself with good people and, um, and train and, and do the work. You do have to be disciplined. That, that's part of, the, part of the sport. And your body is your temple and comes with that as being responsible towards your body taking responsibility. If you want to be a long distance runner or a runner and you want to go a long time, there are some sacrifices you have to make. You have to really put in the effort on, you know, should I be eating this or is this too late or when do I rest? And um, so there's a lot of things involved, but that, that comes with the territory of being a long distance runner. So those are the things that I've followed that I've, and I've learned from other runners i discovered for myself uh, things about that, but other from fellow runners that have given me some golden um, advice. And to this day, I still hold on to it. That sounds like a good way to live life. <laughs> yeah, well, run, running, if you talk to runners, and uh, run, they're, they're some of the most amazing people. And it's like, a, it is, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's uh it, it, it is. It's quite amazing. Well, John, we want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, you know, you have so many amazing stories and, uh, you know, it's just also so great to to talk to somebody who's been doing this for so long and seeing the evolution of, of what we love to do. Um, we usually end each episode of the podcast with this question, and um, I'd love to get your take on it. There's often the talk of what a runner's high is. And I would love to ask what your own personal runner's high is. Wow, what a great question. Boy, you guys, you guys are nailing it. This is, this is really making me think here. It's a great question. Um, okay, that, that does come up. A runner's high is, is when you're, um, you're totally, okay, this is only my concept of it. And I don't speak for every other, other ultra runner, runner, cyclist, hiker, triathlete. For me, it's like you're, when you're in, it's called being in the zone. You may have heard of football players. You know, you've heard of that term. You're in the zone. Yeah. You're, you're in that hot. That, for me, it's like I'm in total, okay, first of all, I'm in real good sync with my body. 
my body, my mind, my spirit. What I, I'm like, hey, I'm in alignment now. Everything is there. Um, I'm extroverted. I'm not looking inward. I'm 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 looking ahead. I'm seeing the environment. I'm not worried about oh my cohort or I got a my ankle or I got a little blister or whatever. You're just totally extroverted and you're running and you're in communication with the environment and, and yourself, but you're not looking so much, you're not looking so much deep, but you're just my definition. And I can't speak for all the runners, but you're just, you're, you're in a, you're in a zone. You're, you're, you're on, you're, let me put it this way. You're running on all, no pun intended. You're running on all eight, cylinders everything is just humming along that is the high but what makes it special is you overcame the low points you've had cramps you've had you you started to mentally wear out or you were getting tired or you didn't feel like you can finish all these other things sometimes life comes at you things you know life is challenging you might have things going on at home you know there's a lot of things that go on but you but you set aside that for that moment and you blow through it. And then that's the high, that's the zone. That's my definition. And, and you're just, you, and you're, 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 you're golden. You're golden. That was great, John. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us yeah. today. Oh, it's given us so much inspiration and, and yeah, we just, we love hearing your stories. Well, thank you. Yeah, John. Thank you. And I really appreciate your time and uh, I hope we meet again. We definitely will. Yeah, we feel just so lucky that we ran into you that day. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, I'm fortunate I bumped into you guys, and I hope you interview more people and get a lot of. There's a lot of great athletes out there and runners, and and I look forward to hearing your your podcast. Absolutely, and maybe we'll get a run in one day. Hey, that sounds good. All right, John. Take care. Thanks again. Okay, you have a great day. Thank you. Bye bye. 